This podcast is brought to you by the Amateurs Fantasy Sports Network. Hello and welcome to the fourth uh, team in our 17-team series of pre-season, uh, I guess, review podcasts. Uh, we're joined today by uh, a special guest, although he's kind of going to be more of a, a permanent fixture this year, we're, along with uh, Ryan, who's obviously you know, here all the time. He's a member of the furniture. We've got uh, Stu uh, from Boom or Bust, mate. How are you going? Going well, mate, in sunny Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, also bloody humid, but it's sunny. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, what is it, twenty three degrees and raining here, so it's it's actually weird. We've swapped weather. Um, yeah, and and the cricket's all over. Bit of a bit of a giveaway. We're uh, yeah, recording here on on the day that Australia won the uh, the Test match. If for anyone who's interested, so uh, guys, a bit of news unrelated to this team, which is the the Bulldogs. Before we sort of kick on, uh, seems like the uh, obviously we've already covered the West Tigers, but seems like the Olam Sean Bloor swap is going down. Obviously, we'll leave the Sean Bloor part until we get to the Storm. But Tiger impacts uh, obviously. No, the one is uh, Justin Olam goes into left center. You would have to guess. Uh, yeah, you'd, you'd assume so. Uh, it seems like the logical fit. Um, I'm not sure it helps his uh, fantasy relevance, though, to be fair. Like, he wasn't able to put up particularly good numbers with Melbourne. I'm not sure how the Tigers were, are going to help that. But uh, he's, certainly, he's certainly cheap. So there's that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of people sort of rushing him into their, into their squads. But, I mean, having a look at his numbers now, um, he sort of – he was – sort of pretty good in um, 2021-22, averaged 35 and 36 respectively, but then, yeah, 2023 all the way down to 28. And, I mean, he comes priced at 27 or something like that. So, I mean, there could be up to eight points of value, which, you know, depending on how the centre position shakes out, might have to be good enough. But, um, yeah, that's kind of, you know, obviously we'll, we'll have a look. And then the other point is it, it does free up potentially an edge spot or the lock spot uh, at the Tigers as well. Uh, we were sort of thinking that that maybe uh, Bloor might play the bulk of the minutes on the left edge with Bateman sort of starting there or finishing there and, and playing the rest of the game in the middle. Uh, and I guess whether that opens up for the other Fainu who also went over there, who's an edge back rower to, to maybe uh, give that give that crack that spot of crack. Uh, Stu, do you know much about what's your, what's your gut feel on the Tigers? Look, I think that uh, I think it's a bit hard to say about who's going to get that 13 spot as we speak. Cause I know that they were talking about Fainu actually playing in the middle. Like he was yeah, an edge right. back row. He was playing at Manly, but they're saying he was training as a middle. Okay. Uh, so, but with the spot opening up, you, you never know, but I, I reckon it'll probably be Paul a 13 with uh, Bateman at, on an edge, maybe moving to the middle as some coverage. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if they carry sort of somebody who's only going to be playing 30 minutes on the edge, then that might open up for, um, you know, a Clemmer or someone like that to maybe return to relevance. But, mm. well, uh, yeah, we'll maybe keep an eye on that as the as the preseason progresses and sort of, you know, see if we get a bit, bit more of a feel for that. But, um, guys, today, obviously, we're going to talk about the Bulldogs. 
Uh, we've got the Bulldogs uh, predicted to come in at uh, 14th this year, which is uh, one spot better than they did last year. But probably their fans, I would think, would be hoping that they do better than that. But, I mean, for me, the biggest issues is in this team is, is definitely through the middle of the park. And I think that they think that they've addressed that, but whether they actually have or not, Ryan, is going to be one that uh, I suppose we won't find out until we're we're – you know, neck deep in the season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was their biggest Achilles heel last year was just getting completely steamrolled through the middle. Teams would just, you know, they'd make 70 metres a set just by uh, running straight down their throat. Um, Mm. I'm not too sure how that's being fixed here. Uh, Like, they've added a lot of utilities who aren't particularly large. Obviously, Reed Mahoney's not particularly large. Um, I mean, they've got Josh Curran, I guess, is their... Uh, potential lock. Um, He's yeah, in the middle by the main. Yeah. Uh, uh, it seems like they're going to continue with their uh, strategy of playing small middles and uh, utilities in the middle as well. It's mm. uh, yeah. I'm not sure I did read a, I did read a piece that said Kurt Mann was basically exclusively training it in the middle as well. So mm. he's he's gone there to be a, a lock. And I assume what probably happens at that point, Kurt Mann comes onto the field and pushes Curran to quote-unquote prop, but they're basically just going to be playing middle. So, you know, they've got Max King who can churn out some big minutes. So, you know, you have to imagine that Curran, King, Curran and King are both going to be playing sort of 55 minutes a game uh, or, or thereabouts, and, and hopefully that should hold down the middle and, and give Max King a little bit of help there in the in the middle. Obviously, Kikau will also be fit, but we might start in the backs. Stephen Crichton comes in, Connor Tracy comes in, Bronson Sherry comes in. So we've got all three of those guys uh, starting, but, I mean, there's also Blake Taff who's come in, who he could slot into fullback. And so, um, I mean, Stu, starting with you, who's your feel for who do you think is actually going to be the fullback? I mean, we've got Stephen Crichton there at the moment. but Yeah, look, I think it would... Look... It's this is the real mystery box team because they're all new. It's not like the only guys that we know are going to play in this back line are the two existing guys in Josh Adokar because he's on too much money and he's he's a quality player and Jacob Carras who's got the exact mentality which this team wants. So yeah. Uh, as for the rest, we know that Steve Crichton will be playing, but he can play anywhere. He can play left, right wing, left, right, center, or fullback. Yeah. So uh, I reckon they will slot him into wherever they need, kind of like they uh, Dolphins did with Hammer, mm. uh, around yeah. wherever they're weakest. Yeah. So, and that makes him a little bit hard to buy. Uh, mm. And Cherry, he looks, I've seen him because he lives right around near me in Menai. I've seen him down at the gym and whatever else. He's a big man. Like I reckon oh, he'd yeah. be 6'3", 6'4", uh, and he'd be 110. Like not like. Well, he was pretty big even before he left. Like as a nineteen-year-old, he was he was quite, you know, he was oh, a big boy then. Oh, for sure. I'm just saying that, like, when I looked at him compared to like, I sometimes I you know meet the other NRL players, it's like, oh, you know what? They're, they're not that big, but he is a tall, big man. So he yeah. he will uh, get a lot of work out there as long as he's got the fitness for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd love to see him, you know, a good attacking weapon here. If we if we ha- if we see some sort of a left edge combination of Kikau Sherry. And uh, and Matt Burton, 
with Josh Adokar finishing that off, that could, you know, potentially uh, create some some problems for defensive lines if they can get that to work. But, I mean, Ryan, it's kind of a bit of an issue what we saw last year with the Tigers where they brought all these, you know, high-profile guys in, but it just sort of didn't didn't click. And I wonder if maybe we just need, like, one more year of team chemistry and, and one more middle for this Bulldogs team to really give it a tilt. Yeah, well, again, uh, I just keep harping back onto the middle because like, everything stems on from there. Like, if you're not uh, winning in the middle, you, your halves are going to have no real opportunity to set things up anyway. So, like, you could have the perfect halves combination that's clicking, but if you're only gaining, you know, 40 metres a set and you, you're playing out of your own 10 metres, you know, outside of your own, like, inside your own 20 metres and playing out, the entire game, um, it doesn't really matter if you've got Andrew Johns back there. You, you're going to struggle. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the, the big test for them is going to be, obviously, Josh Adokar, Sherry, Crichton, and, um, you know, Karaz, all these, all like, all of the guys that they've got in their back line there are, are capable of getting the, the ball out. And then, I mean, Preston was really solid last year. And, you know, yeah. hopefully they can get a bit of a platform and, and turn something in. But, uh, I mean, fantasy-wise, Crichton, we're, we're saying sort of an avoid until we – see a little bit more. Uh, Josh Adokar is, is who he is. And, and I mean, Karaz was really good last year. So at 40, you can sort of give him a swerve for now. But, I mean, and Connor Tracy comes in. So we've got him at centre, but he could well be the fullback. Um, the base stats are obviously there, but he's still quite expensive as well. And, I mean, the I think the most likely player one through seven for people that may be interested is, is Bronson Sherry. But, I mean, he is pretty expensive at, a break even of 33, he'd basically need to be a keeper center to be a value. Um, but he's 15% owned at the moment, Stu. Look, I think a lot of people remember him being this up and coming stud, like, you know, future New South Wales rep. And they think yeah. that they're on to a winner here. And look, there could be 150K worth of value if he goes nuts and he's got that work ethic. But I'd look, I'm really, the Bulldogs are a team that I want to go to the trials for. So yeah. see these guys, and dumb as it sounds, see them off the ball. So that you mm. can see who's hot, you know, who's um, got the hands on the hips, who's getting back in the line properly, whatever else, who's getting the rotations, especially that second game. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, but, it, even the important thing to keep in mind is even though when Cherry was a rookie and did come in and light the NRL on fire, he averaged 38, which is only five less than what his break even is. So he'd need mm. to be way better off four years of not playing, which we've seen. Like it, we've seen plenty of sports where there's been players who have had multiple like amounts of time off, and then they've come back like due to in or due to injury maybe. Or, but I mean, like, like take Ryan, you're a, you're an NFL guy. Take Deshaun Watson as an example. You know, he took he had a year and a half off and came back, and there was a lot of cobwebs in there. So. Yeah, for sure, and I'm sure it'll take a little bit of uh, time to dust uh, the rust off. Um, but yeah, for me, Sherry, I agree with Stu. It's one of those ones you just got to have to wait for the trials and see if he can show anything. I'm a little bit skeptical it's going to be there right away. I think it's going to take a little bit um, for him to put it back yep. together. But um, certainly, the talent was there when we last saw him. Hundred percent. And Gus, I must say, as much as people give Gus a hard time, he's got a good nose for talent. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, moving into the halves, uh, we've got Burton and Toby Sexton here, but, I mean, there's there's a, a definite possibility that it's not Sexton, that it's Drew Hutchinson instead that's playing in the halves with with uh, Matt Burton. And I really think that that could actually, uh, you know, really open up Burton to play his natural game. But, I, I mean, that would actually kind of add some interest here in Hutchinson. So just having a mm. look 
the last three seasons, he's got 20 games in the halves, and um, I'd be taking a guess that the average is well over 45. So Pulling up now. Yeah, just having a bit of a look at it. So it's 2021, it was 48 and a half. 2022, he only played two games there for a t- mid, you know, mid to high 20s. And then four games in 2023 in the halves at 55.75. But that was with a 50% try scoring rate, which obviously we're, you know, not expecting that. Um, so if you look at just the last three years, it's 20 games at 47.8. Uh, no goal kicking in that. That's only... Uh, um, but it is 293 kick meters. So, I mean, uh, looking looking closer at this, Ryan, would really, if that was going to be the case, like, and, and Hutchinson was going to be of interest, and, I mean, he could be because he is quite affordable, we'd need to see a definite shift in the trials with uh, with Burton sort of really using his running game and leaving Hutchinson to do probably two-thirds of the kicking. Oh, for sure, yeah. We Again, like it's one of those ones where we're going to need the base stats to be there and... Um, yeah, you're, you're not going to know for certain until you, you see the trials. And sometimes even if you see the trials, it can be a little bit of a false herring at times as well. So, yeah. So yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'm just... For, yeah, you for go. me, I was just going to say at 5'8", right, in 2021 where he had his longest run, uh, which was, I think, the Kiri... Is that the Kiri ACL year? Yeah, he Could played be, with Sam uh, Walker, didn't he, I think? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So he played 5'8", average 55.4". Yeah, so yeah, no, exactly. he's he, he's got a lot of talent, uh, and he's he's not necessarily the fastest guy in the game, but I don't think he needs to be. Uh, Fifty-five point no, eight I mean, average in twenty twenty-three when he got his starts. That's with a hundred, so I'm not sure he gets that every yeah. day of the week. Yeah, I mean, if he's just if he's just making his eighteen to twenty tackles and fifty odd running meters and kicking the ball for two hundred meters, you know, you got you got a really solid solid base there. So looking at their. Uh, Looking at the games where Burton played with Toby Sexton last year, uh, just to sort of get a bit of a feel, which was sort of towards the end, Burton, 276 kick metres and and Toby Sexton, 125. So we basically just need to see that completely flip if we were going to be interested in, in Hutch. But that's something to probably to monitor going into the trials. Uh, let's sort of not spend too much time with it for now. So moving to the forwards where there is a lot more interest, I might cover off on the... Edges first, uh, more than likely going to see Kikau and Jacob Preston on the edges. Preston, obviously, really good last year. He's a, a strong sort of selection in draft, if you want to go that way. He's also a, uh, you know, a potential keeper down the track, but, you know, not somebody we want to jump on straight away. Kikau, I did think, had a little bit of value. But, um, I mean, Stu, uh, one thing we've seen from Kikau in the past is is inconsistency in terms of minutes, particularly if they have the option to to push some other guys for more minutes. They do. Uh, so I think it's one of those ones where, yeah, he often gets a rest sort of 60, 70 minutes. But that was, I must say, when they were game managing them while they were winning at the Panthers. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that the Bulldogs can necessarily afford to swap him out considering their issues elsewhere. And the fact that he's turned himself around to be a good defender outside Matty Burton. So I think it'll it'll send, but he's probably not the guy you want round one. There's no, well, I mean, out there. I had a bit of a look at him and he did, you know, last year he had one, two, three games out of the nine where he played 80 minutes. So the other the other games there, it was a 77, 72, 73, 75, and then a 58 and a, and a 61. So, I mean... Those ones are what will kill you, those really low ones just drag the average down. Hmm. If you look at the three 
80 minute games, it was 43, which you know would push him up a couple of points, but probably still not enough to be to be sort of worth a look. But um, I mean, there's um, there's some other guys in this pack, Ryan, who are really interesting. Obviously, Max King's been a good performer, but you know, with some other guys coming in and maybe t- pinching some minutes, he's going to be a sort of a solid draft guy. But the other two projected middle forwards, Liam Knight and Josh Curran. Uh, people mm. have been sort of really interested in at least one or both of those guys. Um, maybe you take your pick on which one of those two you wanna you wanna run through. Well, I'm sure the listeners want to hear about Josh Curran. He seems like uh, the man of uh, NRL fantasy this year. Forty three percent owned at the moment. Just yeah, mm. crazy. Um, and I mean for good reason, I suppose. He's he's priced in the mid thirties. Uh, <sighs> throw out that that word pedigree but he's, he's certainly had it in the past uh, fantasy wise anyway um not sure what's happened to him at the warriors last year seems like he had his issues with webby uh but look if he can it's going to be all about minutes um you'd expect with the not whole heap of uh, star-studded depth in this uh bulldogs pack he's seems like he's in line for at least 50 um it, it should I mean, it should put him in line for uh, a good amount of value, you would assume. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I sort of have him 55 minutes at starting lock, which, you know, he's he's got some, you know, potential there that he could average into the 50s. I don't think he's going to be what Hopgood was last year. Uh, I just think Hopgood has that level of, like, fitness and ability to play in the middle for long periods that Curran doesn't have, but he could definitely get out sort of 50 to 55 strong minutes and, and punch out a 45 to a 50 average. And starting at 36 with the dual position, I think he's a, a sort of a slam dunk, particularly Ryan, given uh, obviously we discuss in our uh, game theory article. Uh, and then again, in the, the team construction article that I put out the other day, um, the importance of purchasing high upside, high ownership players. Mm. Um, you know, when we look at the top, the teams, you know, this is a little bit of a preview for anyone that hasn't read the article, but has read the, uh, but, but is listening to the pod is, is I looked at the top five team finishing teams from last year and, and how they constructed their team. And one thing that was really common is all five of them had Brandon Smith, even though Brandon Smith was a dumpster fire last year, but because he was so highly owned, it didn't matter. So, you know, that it just goes to show that you can, you know, even if someone like that flops when they're 43% owned and they've got a potential to average 50 and they're priced in the mid thirties, it's sort of, you don't act, you're forced into making the decision this year. Like we were last year with Brandon Smith. We openly discussed Brandon Smith about how we didn't think he was a buy and how he was actually kind of a bit trappy, but we had to buy him because he was so highly owned and, and the position that if we were wrong, it would have completely derailed our season. Um, so that's kind of where you're going to be at with Curran, unless of course he's named on the bench, and then you get a you get a free pass. Yeah, no, spot on. I think you've nailed it there. Um, it, I mean, Curran feels a little bit safer than what uh, Brandon Smith was last year if he gets that starting role. But no, you're 100 percent right. There's there's not much to be gained from uh, you know taking the risk of going against the crowd of a guy with uh, that kind of upside, given the price point. Yeah, hundred percent. Question for you: mm-hmm. If we saw him start on the bench round one, just say for some reason Kurt Mann's thirteen, Josh Curran, even with a high ownership, would you change your mind on that? If he was on the bench, absolutely. Yeah, easy. Yeah, but cool. but I oh, also think must... if he if he was on the bench, his ownership would drop from forty three percent to probably thirteen percent, and the thirteen percent would be people that aren't paying attention. <laughs> Fair enough. 
um, yeah, we saw that a couple of with a couple of players last year where they were really high ownership. I think bloody, you know, we have the the yearly uh, Jack Howarth, Jaden Burrell experience yeah, where they end the up you know, just disappearing by the end of it. So um, the, uh, Liam Knight obviously is a lot more of a, a challenging proposition. Uh, so he comes in, uh, I think he came in late. Yeah, he did come in midway through the season last year. Um, played two games of at least 35 minutes for 54 and 34 points respectively. Uh, weirdly, the 54-point game was in the lower minute game, but I think there was, I'm assuming there was a try there. Yeah, there was. There was a try. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've got him playing 35 to 49 minutes. It's the filter that I'm sort of looking at across the last four years, uh, which is basically since PBL ball started. He's got 21 games in that sample size, which gives us a really healthy sort of an idea of what his season might look like. And that comes out to exactly 40 minutes for 36 points. So he starts the season priced, I think at 28, um, which would put him right on the fringe of buying. So, I mean, what do you sort of think with Liam Knight? Uh, he's sort of had a, you know, interrupted last couple of years with concussions and whatnot. I'll sorry, look, that... uh, I'll, I'll, oh, sorry, I was talking I'll... to Stuart because I, I, I said you could do current, Ryan. So, yeah, sorry. I'll let go Stuart on. have a go. <laughs> no, all good. I wasn't sure on that one either. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, blame the halfback. So, Look, he's he's a decent player that brought him in. If he's if he's a starting middle, I think there is definitely some value in this pack simply due to the fact that there is so little quality in there. Right? You got Max King, you got Josh Curran and uh, Kurt Nan, and then you got Acres for days for minutes in this pack. So I would say that Liam Knight is a guy who, you know, you can probably see him getting to about five hundred K. If that's what you're looking for, like to round out that sort of final middle spot and you don't trust Spencer Lenu, who's another highly owned uh, middle for a 10K more, you could go Liam Knight. The downside is unlike Spencer Lenu, Liam Knight, I'm not sure is really the tackle-busting attack-minded mould. So it's, yeah. it's a, he'll be an incremental gain type of guy. Like you'll get, like, like Max King from a few years back, you know, you get 30 grand a week, 20 grand a week. For a long time. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. And I mean, there's another guy in that tier as well with uh, Fletcher Baker over at the Broncos if he gets to start. Like, so at the moment, my preferred option out of the three of those guys is Baker. He happens to be the cheapest and also the guy I think with the best potential. Uh, but I mean, if he's not there, I think I would actually prefer Liam Knight to Spencer Lino mostly because of the availability of minutes. I think Lino could very well be 35 minutes and not 40, which would completely sort of ruin his his potential upside, whereas I think Knight, if anything, he could be 45, not 40. So that's kind of where I would where I would lean because, I mean, Knight, he does get through the base stats here. He's a, um, you know, he's in that average where he averaged 36, 34, that was base. So, you know, if he gets a little bit of momentum up, he, he does have the opportunity there to create some, uh, you know, additional benefit. Mm. And, I mean, most more than half of that sample size as well was 2020 where they weren't recording the turnover tackles. Uh, so there might be and, an extra half a point there for that. And he is a proper tier one talent, like physically. It's just that mm. a, he had that initial issue with him being a dickhead. And then yeah. after that, he had an issue with the concussions. So, yeah. And look, but at his price point, like if he does cop a concussion, you're, you're not losing too much money. So, 
uh, yeah. he's worth taking. Like as far as it's like uh, Bronson Cherry, he mm. uh, that upside is the talent. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like you say, you're not expecting him to knock you out at 55 points a week and, you know, do high upside and massive quick gains. He's a, you know, 17, 18, you might put him in year 17, you know, obviously with the advent of teams having players on by every single week, you know, you might do, put him in your, you know, round one, number 17 slot with an outside back in your, you know, 18 and the outside back sort of scores well, you loop and you loop, uh, you loop Liam Knight out or something like that might be the way yeah. you tackle it. So, just don't have um, him in starting seven. To, uh, starting run on side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So obviously we'll do roster, uh, you know, uh, setting closer to the, to the period. But yeah, that's a good, good thing. Uh, the last man in the starting team here, Reed Marnie, uh, obviously had an absolute shocking season last year, mostly due to the fact that he just massively increased his missed tackles. Uh, Ryan, you know, he was really, really strong. Uh, in the previous, I think maybe it was two years ago, um, he had, yeah, 2021, he had a 59 average in 17 games. Uh, attack was way up. He was using the boot more, base is sort of solid. And and he, uh, you know, before he did his shoulder, came back in 2022, sort of bit of a reduced performance. But I think there was a few maybe, oh, no, 76 minutes a game. So obviously went from 59 back down to 46 and then all the way down to 42 two average last year, which is just an absolute nightmare. But, I mean, the benefit here is is potentially if he does uh, see his attack sort of go up a little bit and, and reduce some his tackles, um, he did put up his highest kick meters last year. So, I mean, there is a possibility there if we can get those demerits down and, and keep the, the rest of the base up that he could be a, a hooker option for this year. Yeah, well, look, there's certainly the upside there. I guess uh, my concern is, like, you know, when you're defending alongside the likes, like when he was at Parramatta, you know, he's standing next to uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Paulo, and now he's at the Bulldogs and he's standing next to Kurt Mann. You know, like it's, it's. Mm. I don't, I don't think that's going to help the missed tackle numbers if they do choose to go that way. Um, but look, I mean, look, certainly the upside is there if he can get those numbers down. I'm just not sure he he will, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one because, I mean, if we knew he was going to get his missed tackles sorted, even back to where he was 2022, that's five points less demerits. Um, and then, you know, he keeps all the, the base and everything up. And, you know, it's uh, you know he's probably a fringe 50-point scorer and, and a nice value there. But, yeah, it, as you say, it is sort of, you know, the – the uh, the wet paper bag defense of the Bulldogs is uh, is of a concern. Uh, moving through the bench here, Kurt Mann, uh, you know there'll be some other sort of ring in forward there, and and Jamin Salmon. But the last guy here that's sort of fantasy relevant is Sam Hughes, who mm. uh, Phil Gould sort of coming out in the media, and he was sort of asked the question, "Hey, you know, you you pulled out Jacob Preston in the preseason last year, who was." Turned out to be a jet. Who's your who's your pick for this year? And, and Sam Hughes was his guy. So he's a, a middle forward, which is good because they need middle forwards. <laughs> so I mean, at a basement price, cheapy, uh, pending the other options that we get, Stu, he's one that could definitely be a uh, an option. Yeah, look, definitely. As dumb as it sounds, Phil Gould he carries a clipboard around. <laughs> At the Bulldogs, so uh, I reckon he's got a fair bit of say who who makes the side. 
and that lack of middle forwards that we saw there means there is a guy, and I'm not sure that he's going to turn into uh, Max King, uh, you, you know, where he's just going to break out and just become a starter and making money all year. But he does look like a impressive specimen of a guy. So uh, yeah. if he's fit enough, 193 centimetres, 111 kilos, he's 22. So he's just hitting sort of that beginning of the peak uh, performance era. Yeah. And, I mean, mate, at the end of the day, if you get – 30 to 35 minutes for 25 points, that's, you know, close enough to 10 points oh. of value and a bit of a slow burn there or, you know, 25 Yeah, it, it's really good cover So yeah. uh, for your squad as well. So, and if on those games where if someone does get a few less minutes and he he picks up a few more or gets a turnover tackle and suddenly you just kickstart that price rise for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I've, I've got him here with 30 minutes off the bench, which I think should be should be about right. Um, obviously, it's going to depend on on how they sort of format that bench. If they, you know, if they want to use Salmon as a as a forward and and pick an extra like a utility utility, that could be even better. And um, it'll sort of really depend how they go, I guess. So, yeah, um, I think that's probably it for the Bulldogs. Uh, obviously, expecting someone on the bench. He is sort of saying he wants to be an edge back rower, but I mean, the only way I see that happening happening would be if they decided to move Preston into the middle. Uh, but given how good he was on the edge last year, I think that's sort of a hard ask. So, um, yeah, that's that's probably the extent of that. Um, either of you have any additional sort of thoughts on the Bulldogs? Oh, no, I mean, my only one I was going to comment on Sam Hughes, it wouldn't even shock me if he beats out Liam Knight, to be honest. Like we saw last year, um, they're not afraid. If they've got a hot youth prospect that they think is the future, they're not afraid to dump... Um, someone uh, with a bit more experience. Like, for example, Preston replaced uh, Fatala Marina last year, who was the, yeah. the club captain. Um, so, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if, uh, if that happens round one or even round two. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. Good job. That's it. All right, guys. Yep. I, th- I think we did a perfect job. Good, good, uh, all correct information today, which is always important. <laughs> uh, it's four for four. <laughs> four for four, all yep. correct information. That's, yeah, uh, no, exactly right. I think there might have been... Maybe one, maybe one wrong thing in one of the three podcasts, but oh, I'll, you know, but it was Rob. Yeah, oh no, it was one hundred percent. It would have been Rob for sure. <laughs> yeah. Whoever's not here, that's whoever. Yeah. Is. Oh yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that'll probably do us for today. Um, that was the Canterbury Bulldogs stew. Thank you for joining us. I think we're going to have you for at least one more episode. Uh, Sucked and then in <laughs> and then through the year, we'll uh, you know we'll we'll sprinkle you in at various times in our quest to provide even more amateurs content for our loyal listeners. So, on behalf of everybody here at the amateurs, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Love you guys. This show was brought to you by good friends at Picklebet. You can support the show by changing your regular bookmaking provider to Picklebet and using the code amateurs on your first deposit to let them know where we found you. Make sure to set a deposit limit because chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.